0: You just learn so much from other cultures and people and connecting with them is what you can get from travel. Like that is like the true gift from traveling.
1: Hello, fellow travelers. This is your host, Andy Steves, And this week we're headed to Africa to climb the slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm connecting with fellow travel entrepreneur, Allison Fleece, and her business partner, Danielle Thornton, to discuss their exciting startup called Woe Travel. From the peaks of Machu Picchu to the urban jungles of India, they're taking groups of women around the world to experience, interact with, and contribute to the local communities that they're seeing. It's an inspiring chat, and I really hope you enjoy it. Here's a little update from my end. I live on the road, but I've been on the road, I feel like, a little bit more than usual. Since my last update, my team and I successfully pulled off our biggest adventure yet with more than 100 revelers in the streets of Dublin for St. Paddy's Day. We survived Temple Bar, we skipped a line into the Guinness Storehouse, and got to enjoy the fresh sea air in the Irish countryside. I couldn't have done it without my local friends Kate, Steven, Alan, Dan, and James. So thanks guys, and sláncha! From Dublin, I hopped a flight back over to the Italian Peninsula to pick up where I left off, updating my guidebook for the new edition of Andy Steve's Europe City Hopping on a Budget. I'm back in Florence pounding the cobblestones, testing all the gelato places I can, and of course researching all the new hot restaurants, classic cafes, and fun nightlife of this renaissance city. In the meantime, let's get back to the ladies of Woe Travel, Allison and Danielle. I hope you enjoy it, and please, as always, give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us five stars, and a review wherever you get this podcast. Thank you so much. It keeps us going, and it gets us into more earbuds. Happy travels.
0: Sharing tips,
2: tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode
1: Seventeen. This is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast, and I have two wonderful ladies on the show with us today—the ladies, entrepreneurs, and travel aficionados of Whoa Travel. Hi. Hi, Danielle, Allison. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited and glad to have you on the show with me. Thank you so much for connecting here.
2: Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. We are <laughs> honored.
1: Allison, you and I go back a few years. I think we like kind of passed in the wind uh, back in the day during our undergrad at, at Notre Dame, St. Mary's back in Indiana. That's how we first met, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. We met through the Notre Dame community for sure when we both submitted an application or a business plan um, for travel-related uh, businesses. Uh, we had a very like similar idea and um you actually ended up winning that that uh business plan competition, so congratulations on that. <laughs> but everything comes full circle, you know, and here we are. There you go. Colleagues and friends.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's one thing to succeed in academia, which is something I'm proud of doing to one extent or another. But it sounds like you guys are succeeding in real life, which is just as cool, if not much more cool, I would say. Tell us about first off about woe travel.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, um, travel stands for women high on adventure. So you can kind of assume what that is. It's women (laughs) going on adventures all over the world. And Danielle and I met, uh, in 2012, when I had this idea to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and I had sent out an email to a a ton of friends and one of the uh, friends on the email forwarded it on to Danielle and was like, this girl is going to be in. I know it. She's going to like sign up today And sure enough, you know, Danielle signed up, like, right then and there. She was like, yes, I'm in.
0: I'm in 100%. I, at the time, I didn't even know where Kilimanjaro was, but I was looking for something, and I was like, this is it. This is absolutely it. So Alice and I first met over email, but when we met in person, we just immediately hit it off. Like, we both had the same energy, and we're so excited about Kilimanjaro, and kind of saw the vision, like how much bigger it was than just climbing a mountain. It was yeah. more than just a trip. It was more than just traveling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was contagious, our <laughs> energy and just
0: the whole idea.
1: <laughs> you guys met, you got along and did you go um, independently the first time or were you part of a group?
2: Uh, we ended up being uh, five women in New York and then five women in South Africa. So we were a group of 10 women and that came together very orga- organically. And what we um, did was we were given the advice that you should do Kilimanjaro for something bigger than yourself. And some, you know, keep in mind why you're doing this. So we actually connected with a women's vocational school at the base of the mountain and we set forth a goal of $5,000 to raise for the women um, for their educational programs and some of the teachers' salaries. And we ended up um, actually visiting the school after. And so it was like this perfect combination of women to coming together to take on like a physical goal. Um, but also like a a more altruistic goal, I guess you could call it. And, and it just worked. It was like giving back and connection and building each other up. And we happened to be all women. And it just that, that whole concept really stuck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We had both like traveled a lot, obviously like throughout college and, you know, growing up with our families, but there was something about this trip, the Kilimanjaro, like coming together as women and also connecting with local women. We were like, this is special. This is something that we have to share. It was so. It was such a unique, amazing experience, and we realized that there's other places in the world besides Kilimanjaro that you can do the same type of the same type of adventure.
1: I think that touches on something that is is really foundational to your mission at WO Travel, right? Like you you you're a tour operator, of course. You're, you're targeting um, women of of all ages. Do I understand correctly? Yes. And, and there's a huge kind of community and, and charity or work with the local, um, yeah, community part about it, right? Can you kind of give us the breakdown on, on how that works? And um, Kilimanjaro sounds like a great place, but I understand you also have other itineraries and other destinations.
2: Yeah, totally. So we always say that um, we're adventure travel with a heart and that's because local connection and local integration and... Um, giving back in in whatever way we can is really crucial and and central to what we do. and that looks a lot like um, an experiential giving or an experiential sharing of um, experiences. so what what that is is um, we, we have partners in every destination that we go to. and one of our partners, for example, is a women's high school uh, or a girls' high school and, they are um, between like 14 and 18, but then they graduate from from the school and go on to get an education at the local college or university in, in Kenya. So it's right over the border from Tanzania, and oftentimes these girls become women and then go back to the school to teach the the younger generations and we've actually hiked Kilimanjaro with about 10 of those women um so we've we've been able to sponsor them and share this experience of Kilimanjaro and seeing it through their eyes and this is really cool because you get to meet people who are from this region of the world you know spend 7 days on a mountain with them and and hike something that in their wildest dreams they never thought that they would do because it's really male-dominated in that society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a lot of what our giving back and more experiential giving looks like.
0: Yeah, and our philosophy for giving back is also it's beyond just like one project necessarily. It's really just an approach to traveling and taking on adventures. So in every aspect of our adventures, we're looking for ways, touch points to – to support local businesses, particularly women-owned businesses, so whether it's a nonprofit hotel or it's restaurants that are owned by women, we always like to work with um, local businesses and really support female guides and female businesses. Yeah. So it's every—it's a way that you can travel whenever you're traveling. Whenever you're traveling, it's something that you can implement. It's a philosophy that you can use um, as a way to support the local community and really, really like connect and get a better understanding.
2: Yeah.
1: I have a load of respect for businesses of any sort that can build in and follow a higher mission more than just deliver a quality service. It sounds like you guys connect your your customers on an amazing adventure, an incredible experience, but you also help and interact with uh, in a meaningful way the local communities that that you're visiting.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, connection, integration, and really allowing our customers to have an authentic experience is our job and what we what we hold ourselves accountable to
0: yeah i mean i think we we both just have an appreciation for the culture and i think every time we travel you we realize that you just learn so much from other cultures and people and and connecting with them is what makes is what you you can get from travel like that is like the true gift from traveling is this sort of these connections and meeting people and um, there's so much to be learned. I think we get so set in our ways and how we do things in life and then you realize that there's so many different other ways and um, maybe our priorities are a little out of whack here and yeah. you really learn that when you're when you're traveling and sort of connecting locally.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly like what Danielle said, like there are different ways to live and what, different ways to do things but at the end of the day, we all want the same thing out of life. We want happiness and love and families and, and support and community. And it's it's really nice because for as different as we are, we are very, very similar.
1: Mm-hmm. That, that's absolutely right. I've, in my experience and in my travels, I've tended to stick to developed westernized cultures, namely Europe. I mean, there's nothing much I can do about that. But the richest experiences and the experiences that I'll remember for the rest of my life, have one thing in common, and that is a connection with people from different cultures and backgrounds. And I think when you go to developing countries and and the developing world, it's it's that much richer. So I'm I'm a little bit envious, and I'm and I'm really uh, stoked for you guys to have been able to kind of carve out your own niche. Oh,
2: thank, yeah, thank you. you. Yeah, I mean, it's an added element of adventure, that's for sure. That's true.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're both yeah. we're both based in New York City, so definitely the places we travel are could not be more opposite than what we're used to at home but it's funny we always come back and we're like oh i miss like i miss india i miss like the mountain life like it becomes like coming back to new york city is almost too much
2: yeah it's like reverse okay. culture shock yeah really i
1: get that every time i come back yes. <laughs> So we can definitely relate on that for sure. And um, it's my perception, and I want to be sure and ask you, you guys who who have been there, uh, well, it's my perception that these developing countries and and cultures uh, tend to be much more male-dominated. They tend to be much more, uh, have a machismo culture. I'm curious if that's been your experience, if that tends to be the case. You mentioned like climbing Kilimanjaro is such a male-dominated activity. I'd love if you could elaborate on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, we definitely go to parts of the world that are male-dominated in, to, to one degree or another, whether it be a patriarchal society or it's partaking in an activity that is in that region of the world that is dominated by men, for example, Kilimanjaro or the Inca Trail, or even if it's Oktoberfest, you go to the Oktoberfest and they say it's 10, 10 men to to every one woman. So. I think when, when people, men and women alike, see... It's just that
1: guys look so good in later hosen. What, what do you expect? Yeah.
2: <laughs> what are you supposed we to we do? We <laughs> do agree with that. But, but when women do travel to these parts of the world and take on something like Kilimanjaro, it, it does change people's perception of what women can do and what women together can do. And also there's a strength in numbers and there's a comfort and safety in numbers, for example, we, we do travel through Rajasthan in India. And would I suggest that a woman do that solo? Probably not. Would I suggest women women travel solo in a lot of parts of the world that we go to? Probably not. So there's just an inherent strength and support system built into what we're doing. And it does redefine what it means to be a, a modern woman in on the global level, I
0: think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we de- we've also realized how lucky we are to mm-hmm. have grown up in the West. We were just... Happened to be born in the country that we were born in, where women get an education, where it's standard, just like young boys, young girls do. But a lot of the places we travel, the girls aren't even allowed to go to school. They have to work at the, at the home. They have to go get water. And so it just, got, it just makes you really appreciate what you have and you understand that we understand the value of education. And I think that's a lot of the initiatives that we work on is getting girls education, because once they have that the ability to think for themselves critically and they're able to read and they sort of know what's out there, they're going to be able to earn and make an impact on their community and earn their own money and sort of have their own, have their own life Mm -hmm. and support themselves.
1: We'll be right back after this short break. This episode of Andy Steves Travel is brought to you by our break trips, whether it's summer, fall, or spring break, have a blast across our favorite cities in Europe. We've got the best of Central Europe, covering Berlin, Prague, Krakow, and Budapest, and of course our Italian extravaganza, Rome, Florence, Cinque Terre, Pisa, and Venice. These cities sell themselves, and we pack them with some epic adventures into a quick 10-day visit. They kick off on Fridays and finish the following Sunday. Plus, take 10 euros off any trip when you book with the promo code A-S-T-PODCAST. Check them out at andysteves.com slash breaktrips. Let's get back to the show. I'm not so familiar with Kilimanjaro itself. Can you please break it down to me in a kind of a day-by-day experience what that means to climb Kilimanjaro? Because I see, you know, Everest... I've skied in the Rockies or out in the Swiss Alps, and those all have snow on them, you know, and they're they're icy and all this stuff. But then when I see pictures of Kilimanjaro, it looks like the moon surface, you know, but that's not to say it's not an incredible feat to get to the top. Can you explain a a little bit about the the process of climbing that and the time and and the energy it takes?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, Kilimanjaro is an amazing mountain. So it's the, I mean, it changed our lives, so we love it. But it's the tallest freestanding mountain in Africa. It's tallest freestanding mountain in the world and the tallest mountain in Africa. So it is special in the sense that when you see it, it's not in a mountain range. It's just sort of this massive mountain that emerges out of, you know, the trees and the desert in, in East Africa. Um, and the process of climbing it is about, we do a seven day trek. Some mm-hmm. people do six days, some people do eight days, but we found that the sweet spot is about seven days because that gives you ability to acclimatize so get used to the altitude and not get too sick Um, and what's amazing about Kilimanjaro is you mentioned that it looks like the moon and that's kind of like on day four or five but what's so cool about Kilimanjaro is that you go through five different climate zones so you start day one and then the last day day seven you're in the rainforest so there's monkeys it's very green and lush and then, as you make your way up, each day is completely different landscape. So the second day, you get into some a climate zone that's called the heath, and there it's kind of deserty, it's kind of bushy. Um, there's still plants and greenery, um, and there's rocks, and you're kind of doing some scrambling, but definitely not high trees. You're able to start to see the sky then, um, and then as you get to day three or four, you start to really see the sun, and it's beautiful. It gets colder. The Alpine Desert is um, incredible. That's the that's the climate zone that really looks like the moon. It's very dry and arid, and there's just rocks and no vegetation. You only see these raven birds. There's not much life up there other than that. Um, and then the summit, which you'll reach on the – you begin your summit ascent on the night of the f- fifth, fifth, day. fifth day. And yep. you start at midnight, so you start in the middle of the night. Um, and that's where you kind of start. The camp that you actually leave from is Barafu, which means snow. So that's where mm-hmm. you can get snow on day four. But that's kind of where it really starts to get cold. Um, and then, um, then you make your way to the summit. and You reach to the summit on as the sun is rising on the on the, the sixth day, morning. Yeah. yeah, and it's incredible. And we've been up there when it's been snowy, and it almost looks like you could ski down it. <laughs> and then there's a glacier up there. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing journey. Yeah, it's,
2: it's definitely the most beautiful sunrise that I think we've ever seen. <laughs> and and the glacier is so beautiful. And for anybody that's thinking of climbing Kilimanjaro who's listening to this right now, Danielle and I have seen with our own set of eyes this glacier shrink in size over the past four years. And it's it's actually a travesty. So get out there and see it while you can because they say it's not going to be there in 15 years. And the, the size that it's shrunk in the last four makes me believe it might be even quicker than 15 years. So if you're listening to this and you want to climb Kilimanjaro, go now. (laughs) We're,
1: We're watching these environmental changes happen before our eyes at a faster rate than the worst case scenario that scientists are telling us. And still we have politicians and people in power that are saying that this is contested, that this is not proven, that there's all sorts of debate about this, which just factually is incorrect i mean it's it's so you um i'm gonna take you up on it sooner than later myself
0: (laughs) i know it's It's, so true i think that's something that travel has taught us more than anything is how much more similar we are than different all the people around the world Mm -hmm. and how important nature is and how beautiful it is nature's yeah just
2: it's it's so precious and we shouldn't take it for granted because Who knows how long we're going to have it there for? Mm-hmm.
1: Man, I I have I don't know about you guys, but I have a a few young cousins who are in like the lower grade levels right now, and they're going through their their environmental um units that that the powers that be are trying to defund or 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 change or or deny, and and they are terrified because they they get it, they see it, and they understand. It's just um, but anyways, I digress. Um, that's a conversation yeah. for another time. No, I know, but it
0: is very hopeful. <laughs> I do think the younger generation, they do get it. They are seeing it. Whether or not the government is supporting it, I think that children are so idealistic and smart mm-hmm. that they're they're going to be the future and the ones who save us all. (laughs) As long as
1: they vote, as long as they vote. Um, So when you're climbing up uh, Kilimanjaro, hiking up Kilimanjaro, are you carrying your bedding, your clothes, your food, your water for all seven days, each of you?
2: Well, so that is the nice thing about Kilimanjaro is that it is the primary source of income for families in the Kilimanjaro region. So that means that Almost everybody in their family has a brother or a cousin or a relative that works on Kilimanjaro Mm -hmm. in the form of a porter or a guide. And so this last climb, we had 31 women and about uh, a staff of about 109. So there's 109 men and sometimes a woman or two who work as a part of the crew to carry the the duffels of the women and the the tents and the food and the water. And then our, our clients, and, and this is not just exclusive for us, but this is how it, it is for every company um and every organization that climbs Kilimanjaro, every client would then carry their own day pack with their their rain layers, their water, their snacks and any any things that they might need throughout the day. But then once they get it to base camp every day, they have their duffel and their sleeping bag and their tent and everything else. So of course there are a few adventurous ones out there. We've never had it on our climbs, but there are adventurous ones out there who want to carry their own stuff up Kilimanjaro. But for, for the most part, people do um, utilize the Porter and the guide's, Um, to do so. And and you do have to go with a guide if you, if you do want to climb Kilimanjaro. Um, So,
1: so, so that's, that's incredible that there's this micro economy that's built up all around this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we had 31 woe customers or participants, if you will. And then we had 109 staff members uh, helping the, the the team of 31 reach the summit of Kilimanjaro so together the entire team with clients and staff mm-hmm. it would be 140
1: oh my gosh so I'm sure you would turn some heads with with that many women <laughs> like moving together uh, especially if all the people helping you are, are guys huh?
2: <laughs> well yes uh, I think other clients on Kilimanjaro that aren't a part of a woe adventure always are drawn to the energy and to to the all female team and you know that they're not see they're not used to seeing all all females do something like kilimanjaro so you definitely turn heads for for many reasons um, and I think the most important reason is just the contagious energy of our group.
1: Oh man I'll have to uh, I'll have to figure out how I can cross paths with you guys someday. <laughs> um, so so you mentioned that you, you go to Kilimanjaro, you're going to Peru, to India. When you're going to these places, Danielle and Allison, do you have some tips to share on how to feel secure and safe? uh, in unfamiliar places, countries, territories, cultures, um, as a female, whether you're solo or with one or a group of friends.
0: Yeah. I think, I think my biggest piece of advice for women traveling is just use common sense. Like a lot of it is like, if you wouldn't do it back home, don't do it somewhere else. <laughs> um, you know, you want to always keep your wits about you, you know, never drink too much, always be respectful, keep your wits about you, be respectful and with the, with the local people and get to understand, learn a bit, a little bit of the language. Um, and it's really just about, you know, you know, just being smart, be a smart traveler. Um, and then, and then always just like, connecting with local with the local community like really just getting to know people don't be afraid to ask for help you know be kind and and get to know them because you'll find that you'll learn a lot about a place and where to go just by talking to people so don't be afraid to you know don't be afraid to stay in the you know in, in smaller hotels and stuff you don't have to go to Hilton or um, or anything that's like safe and feels like home. You know, you can try Airbnbs and stuff. It's a really great way to just kind of immerse yourself in the culture. So don't be afraid to do that and and utilize the people around you.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think just to go off of what Danielle was saying, common sense is obviously like critical, and also just having an accountability partner, whether that person be in in the country that you're in or. If it's a relative or a friend back home, just when you go somewhere, let people know where you're going. Um, you never know when like your phone battery might die and you can't get get in touch. But if somebody knows where you are, that's that's important. That's this accountability element to it is is just important for keeping you know keeping track of of, of where you are and and who you may be with or if if, if you don't happen to be with with somebody. So.
1: That's an interesting buzzword, accountability partner. You know, I've always just called it my mom, but uh, <laughs> but that sounds like a uh, something I should know about. So that's kind of a buzzword that you guys use to have somebody kind of like an emergency contact on call that might know your itinerary and things like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be as formal as that. I mean, I I try to send my parents itineraries of where I am but sometimes I feel like those itineraries would like get lost in their inbox because I we send so many <laughs> we're gone all the time <laughs> so it's, it's kind of just like you know shooting if, if your parents happen to be gone and or, or if your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it is you know happens to be gone or traveling themselves like use somebody else use another friend just shoot them a text be like oh I'm off to Croatia for the weekend I'm gonna be in I'm going to be in split. There's something, you know, just letting the people know where you are. And it doesn't always have to be a relative. It doesn't have to be the same person every time, but just someone, someone who has your best interest at heart and letting them know.
1: No, no, that that absolutely works. I ask every female guest or guests that I interview about that, because when I do my talks and when I interact with groups of people talking about travel, inevitably, that's one of the questions I always get. But I recognize that I can't speak. To what it feels like to be a lady going through these places as a six foot two, 190 pound dude, you know. So I'm glad to hear that that you you feel comfortable in all these different places, and that it's so important to trust your gut.
0: Yeah, totally, <laughs> definitely trusting your gut. That's a good piece of advice. The woman's intuition is what we call it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. For me, like honestly, if I'm in a place. And something just feels weird. If I get that feeling, you know, something feels off, like the conversation is too quiet around me or people are looking at me a little too long or too like out of the corner of their eye. Or if something feels off, I take a second, I step back and kind of literally and figuratively, I take a moment to, to assess my situation. I've been spending some time in Columbia over the last year and I absolutely love it. But man, I've been having like a snack or a quick dinner in a neighborhood that I'm like, I, you know, don't want to spend too much time here. It just doesn't feel quite right. And to date, I've been okay, you know, but but it's because I respect that that gut feeling. So I'm glad to hear that um, that you guys uh, agree with that or uh, would would uh, follow along with that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Get yourself out of the situation. And and as soon as you can, if you've got something icky feeling, Mm -hmm. that's always right.
1: Now, India has unfortunately been in the news for um, a number of, what would you call it, sexual violence issues and and other horrible crimes that that are very um, spectacular and very noticeable and make huge headlines just by what happens. In your research and setting up a tour in India, um, can you point to any resource online or any research that they can do to see if the places that they want to go may or may not be out of bounds at, at this point in time?
2: Yeah, th- that's a really good question. So India is has been in the news and, and for not always good reasons as of late. And we have actually met with some of the um, women behind an, a website called Safe City. And Safe City is basically um, a website, so, and, and I believe it's also an app, that allows women to report uh, various various interactions and encounters. So if they were assaulted or catcalled or um, if, if they just felt uncomfortable in a certain neighborhood, they would flag it and write about it on uh, Safe City so that they're letting other women know, you know, you know, be aware in this region if you do go to this region or avoid this at all costs. So it's really nice that there are women uh, teaming together to have each other's backs and to be looking looking out for each other and and notifying them. And that's one of the huge benefits of technology in in this day and age is that we can use it for our protection and safety.
1: You can share that information back. Yeah, absolutely. Or what you can do is book a travel uh, adventure. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, there you go. You the it. Yes. Done. <laughs> um,
1: hey, in this short conversation already, I feel like you could be role models for um, a lot of younger ladies who might have an entrepreneurial streak, who might love adventure or travel or photography or any number of things that might relate to um, to what you guys do on a daily basis. Um, I gotta ask: Do you have role models or people that you follow or are interested in that that you draw inspiration from?
2: Ooh, the role model question. <laughs>
0: well, thank you for yeah, saying thank that. You, that. Thank you. That's yes. very humbling. I think it's the most rewarding part of what we do. Yes, totally. I would say my role model is my mom. Um, I was raised by a single mom. Um, and it was just my sister, my mom, and I. And in a time, when, in a city in Texas where there weren't a lot of single parent families and with a mom who didn't have a college degree, um, and she went to work. And started an amazing career and raised us and put us at the front, but also somehow was had this started this amazing career. Um, and it was just such an amazing, amazing woman, and I totally appreciate her on a different level now as an adult and somebody who's running a business and just the amount of work that she was doing, the amount of energy energy she put into everything. But first and foremost, was sort of always the family and um, supporting us girls to do what to live our dreams and do whatever we wanted to do. I think I didn't even realize until I got older and started working in a male-dominated industry advertising how many injustices there were for women because I was just raised by such a strong mom and was like, oh yeah, you can do anything you want, you can do anything you put your mind to. I didn't really realize until I got out of the workforce um, how difficult it can be for a lot of women because its we don't necessarily live in a country where there is gender equality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, mom. Shout out to my mom. She's awesome. <laughs> I would say my
2: role models are the three sisters. And by the three sisters, I am talking about my mom and her two sisters. And the three of them together are um, just amazing. Like Danielle, I never realized that there were injustices for women growing up because of the strength and independence and um, just the, the fierceness of the three women that i I think I was raised by all three of them dominated the households in their own right and I was just around this energy growing up and and I thought that energy was normal and how every family was and how every woman was and then you grow up and you realize that's not the case that <laughs> not there aren't always strong women in families and there aren't always independent and fierce women um tr- you know blazing the blazing the way and both my parents and my, my aunts introduced me to a lot of experiences at a very young age that piqued my curiosity and I think has formed me into the woman that I am today. And for that, I'm forever grateful and f- will forever look up to them and will emulate that uh, that sort of exposure and experience when I have a family one day. And so, yeah, shout out to the to the three sisters for being tried and true to who they are and for giving me the experiences I've had.
1: There you go. There you go. My dad um, taught me a sense of adventure just by pushing me onto the next metro car and just <laughs> letting me figure it out on my own <laughs> how to yeah. get home. So it's uh, good for you guys to have uh, to have that supporting touch as well, along with the uh, inspiration for adventure.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. So when, when you guys are are running your tours, can you explain to us your ideal customer or who are the people that you're really going after? What's the, um, what's the breakdown there?
2: Oh my goodness. Our clientele is so diverse, but so like-minded. It's, it's so amazing to see because sometimes women, um, or people, I shouldn't say women, sometimes people ask us like, is it catty? Is it petty on your trips? And we're like, no, that's not our experience at all. That's not the reality we live in. And they're like, well, on reality television, you know, you see like the real housewives of New York and they get together <laughs> me, and they Let just- me compare
1: you to yeah. MTV. <laughs> that's like the example of
2: women. Yeah. There, mainstream. That's, yeah, mainstream, mainstream media, you see groups of women getting together and all they do is bicker and fight and like talk behind each other's backs. And that's totally 180 degree opposite of what we experience at Woe. So we, we can't say that we have like an age demographic because we've had somebody as as young as 18 and as wise as 60 on our adventures. So it's definitely more of like a psychographic or a a mindset that we're attracting. And I think if you like go on our website and you see what we're about, we're, we're obviously very much about like bringing awesome women together to take on these huge adventures, but also really connect and integrate into the local community and share these experiences with as many people locally as we can. And when people read that, they're like, wow, that really, that really speaks to me. And then that's how we attract our audience and our clients is through that, that like-mindedness and that, that shared sense of adventure. So Definitely, definitely not an age demographic. More, more this uh psycho, this uh, psychograph.
1: Sure, sure, sure. And people find you through. It looks like you've had some great exposure in guidebooks, in media. Um, what's been What's been the biggest bump that you've seen uh, since you've started in terms of website traffic or bookings? Is there any one you know Eureka moment where you're like, Holy cow! Like all of a sudden we're getting bookings, or all of a sudden people know about us?
0: I mean, I think that the The biggest thing for us is word of mouth. Um, I think that's been the biggest surprise for us and the biggest compliment to us is seeing how many repeat customers we have and how many friends of friends and friends of friends of friends we've had on trips. So as we have been around for longer, um, we just see more of that momentum and it all sort of starts with, with, you know, woe alums is what we call them. It all starts with the woe alums sort of, you know, sharing their experiences and talking about it with passion and how much it changed them. And then. You know that just kind of spreads like wildfire fire throughout their friends' circle and um, just kind of grows and grows. Yeah, ripple effect. It is a
2: ripple effect, and yeah, we've been we have been featured in some some awesome you know media venues and and I think that definitely helps. But I think more so than more so than that, it is that word of mouth and and just that contagious energy that you feel when. When somebody's talking about a woe adventure, and then others say, "Well, that's something that I really want to do. That's an adventure I want to be a part of." Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Well, uh, share with us how can we how can we look you up? Um, tell tell us your the website, your social media handles. How, how's that all? Um, what's the best yeah. way to find you guys?
2: You can find Woe Travel on a lot of different uh, social media platforms like Facebook, Or it's just uh W-H-O-A travel.
0: Look for the hot pink globe. <laughs> the
2: hot pink globe. And then on Instagram, Travel as well. And then, of course, our website, travel.com. There's a multitude of ways to get in touch. There is a contact form. There's an email. There's a phone number. And then our email is um, adventure at WOTravel.com. So, again, it's just W-H-O-A travel. Dot com and that stands for women high on adventure
1: and i got one more one more question for you are are guys allowed on your on these adventures of yours
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we have about 12 itineraries planned for the year it, breaks down to about one a month. And then we pride ourselves on a division of our company called um, Custom Adventures. So we actually have had men and families and dads come with you know their daughters and um, moms go with their sons on our custom adventures. And we, we book a lot of people through um, Kilimanjaro on that. So if you did want to hike Kilimanjaro, we're your go-to gals. We'll hook you up and uh, make sure that you have a fabulous time
1: all right all right well ladies thank you so much for joining me allison and danielle it's been an absolute pleasure spending some time with you and of course learning a little bit about that mission of yours i I wish you all the best and um stay high on that adventure yeah Yeah. oh
2: thank you andy it was a pleasure talking to you (laughs) Yeah. thanks for having us Thanks again for listening. Find all show details, links, and tips at andysteves.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.